Okay, I'm recording. I'm Red. recording here too. I have Amazing. a red blinking light happening. Amazing. We need our first Zoom uh, is this is our recording first, yeah. session. I'm excited. Wait, wait, wait. Before we continue, you didn't even introduce us. Who's talking? I'm Marilyn. And I'm Rhea. This is the second episode of Who Run the World Season 3. As you might remember, in the first episode, I lost my job and... I started a new job. And while we don't think that we're so important that everybody should know our stories, we found that a lot of people resonated with the different paths that our lives are taking and how we're dealing with them. And so we decided that Season 3 of Who Run the World was going to be special. And on each episode, we're going to have a very special guest who is going to guide us according to a topic that we're going to select and at the end of each episode our very special guest is going to give us a challenge that we have to accomplish before the next episode so it's about like a week before the next recording hopefully hopefully, inshallah and if we don't do it then we failed and so we've asked a third person to join us today and i'm going to introduce her hi anita this is anita she's in new york right now hi anita Hi, everyone. So Anita is like one of my best buddies. She's a cooking monster. And if I were to be quarantined with anyone, she'd be the person I pick because I can imagine the piles of food that we would be found in. We would be dead. We would be fat. But we would be very happy. Let's tell everybody how Anita and I met. I actually don't know the story, so I'm excited. I go to INSEAD, first day, 150 people that I don't know, feeling like I'm going to be the least cool person in the room. Of course, my name ends with Z, and so they make us sit in this huge auditorium according to our alphabetical last name. To my great surprise, I am not the last person on the list, even though my name starts with a Z. And to my right is Anita. And so Anita sits down, and uh, I look at her, and I'm like, who the fuck are you? Because I'm always the last person on the list. Not only am I sitting next to someone who basically says, well, I'm usually the last person um, in the row when it's an alphabetical row. But then we just realize in these like two minutes where we share our life stories and what brought us to INSEAD, that we actually not only share quite a lot of passions, and Marilyn already mentioned the cooking uh, and eating part of that passion, but that we also have shared in common friends. No way. You yes. guys knew people in common? Yes. So as far as rom-coms go, I was like, say this is the perfect meeting of soulmates. They call that a meet cute. <laughs> we it's have a, a meet cute. cute, Anita. Well, that's good to know. That's Aww. even better now. I already enjoyed it before knowing that word, but now right. it sounds even now better. Now it's so kawaii. Oh, it's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. So Anita, tell everybody what you do, though, because we didn't properly introduce you. I'm in media, and I spent the last... 15 years working in various roles uh, in media organizations. My job is usually to think about the future and innovation and change the organization in a way that makes it a bit more resilient, innovative, and basically geared to be successful in the future. What INSEAD, like many other uh, executive education things, does to you is you pivot. Um, (laughs) And I think pretty much... All of our class kind of pivoted um, after the program. So what I did is I kind of changed perspective in a way because I still wanted to work uh, with media organizations and leaders and managers and helping them to become better at driving change. But I didn't want to do it inside of one organization anymore because I had done that three times. I wanted something that allowed me to work with different people in different regions of the world. I started to talk to my network there ended up this, you know, being this opportunity uh, in New York City at uh, City University New York, where they asked me to build and start a new whole department for executive education. 
um, developing programs that work with people, with leaders in the media industry, with managers in the media industry, helping them to become better at driving change and innovation. The reason why we wanted you, Anita, to be our first special guest on one of our episodes is because While we're going through each of our journeys, we're hoping to explore each episode within a theme. And the theme that we matched you with is the theme of support networks. Funnily enough, in your introduction about yourself, you mentioned your networks. You said that's how you got to where you are. What we wanted to do together today was that each of us is going to expose what they believe, which may or may not be what is, their issue in how they deal with their support networks. And then we're hoping that you can give us your best advice about how to deal with our unique situations, but also a challenge. Who do you want to start with? Who's your first victim? Marilyn. Why? Because we always start with you and I'm That's second. maybe why we should start with you. Let's start with Rhea. Damn it. Ta-da! It's because you guys had a meet cute. You teamed up. This will be a disruptive episode. Yes, exactly. So. I feel exposed. Is that weird? Wait till she tells you what she thinks. It's funny when we chose this theme i had trouble pinpointing what my challenge was but then after some reflection and some help the problem is that even though i have such a strong support system my challenge is that i don't know how to tap into that support system if someone needs help i'm very much ready and willing to help but when it comes to the other way around i don't uh, tap my support system as one should I'll tell you from my point of view as her friend, I remember when she didn't used to live here, I would call her to see how she's doing and somehow end up spending an hour and a half talking about myself. At the end of that conversation, I would feel great because someone listened to me talk about my boring problems for an hour and a half. But I would also feel shitty as a friend because I hadn't taken the time to support her as she had just done with me. And so I would make a mental note to call back in a week and then be there for her. But I don't think that everybody has this level of self-awareness. And more importantly, I don't think Rhea ever asks anybody else for help. So Rhea, do you feel, like seriously feel that it is, this is a problem for you? Or did Marilyn uh, slightly nudge you into thinking um, this shouldn't be the way <laughs> it's it is? It's possible. That's a good question. There was definitely a nudge. I'm not going to say there was not a, <laughs> a nudge. Violent. But I will say that it's very easy when I get on a call with someone or when I talk with someone to right away listen to what's going on with their lives. I don't like much talking about myself. And also, I don't, I don't ask for help. I feel very uncomfortable asking for help. To my core, I feel uncomfortable story for you we got two desks and a bunch of furniture for the house in the beginning of the pandemic and Rhea insisted that she would build her desk on her own even though hers was the heaviest and most difficult piece of furniture to build Hadi and I finished everything else because we were working a deux so it was easier and even then she refused for us to help until something just wouldn't fit anymore and she had to come to the realization that she actually did need help and even then she was upset about it Well, that's a that's an interesting example because I think it, it the one thing that I'd say is there's a huge variety of how you can tap into support networks and what kind of help you need. And I'd really differentiate between needing some very specific help. And yes, obviously, if you don't ask for that help, well, you know that there are people around you that would be willing to share their skills, their work power, their time. I don't know, hold the screwdriver uh, <laughs> when, you, when you try to assemble uh, the desk or whatever it is. I don't think there is any kind of upside in not 
accepting that help. My first question, I think, is, okay, the act of asking for help requires a few steps, right? Like the first one is figuring out what it is that you need help with. And then the second one is identifying the person that can provide you with that. And then the third one is reaching out to them. How do you, when you're overwhelmed and when you have a lot of things that you have to deal with, how do you then say, here's the mm. thing that if I can unlock this one, everything else will become easier yeah. or it's the most fundamental one? If you think about the structure of what a support network can do for you, I think the important thing is there are some very practical, specific, mm -hmm. more skills, experience, connection, supporting someone in a specific task. So an example of uh, that things. would be? Well, an example would be, I need to go to Ikea. I don't have a car. Okay. Uh, can someone lend me a car? I need to assemble a desk. Can someone... So it's um, like a task-based. You know, also things like I have a job interview with a specific company. I know that I have one or two people in my network that you know work at that specific company. Can you tell me how the interview process usually goes? Like specific asks. So what I find is that usually with these more specific asks, whether they are job related um, and more trade of content and information, or whether they are really specific as in something hands-on, it's usually relatively easy to identify who the potential target could be because usually you know who are the people in that company, who are the people with experience in that certain industry. Usually what I do in that case is I put out a question on social media and usually there is some kind of answer, people suggesting, oh, you could use this tool that worked really well for me. Or if it's something more complicated, some like an, an ask that really involves uh, an act of giving from someone, someone from my kind of personal sphere stepping up and saying, yeah, I'm willing to, to do that. I'm willing to drive you to Ikea or let's have a call and I'm happy to introduce you to a person. With these things, I feel it's usually not as tricky to identify someone the trickier part, and I think also the part where the psychological effect of asking for help kind of comes in and that sometimes like weird feeling of should I do that? Can I do that? Is that the right person to ask? So the, the much trickier part is asking your support network for help as in advice or help as in you don't feel good about something and you just need to talk to someone about it. It's sometimes not as easy to identify who the right person is to ask. It's not like you have a LinkedIn for psychological yeah. uh, things. <laughs> Although that would be a good thing. <laughs> That'd be great. These are the things that are kind of, you know, more interesting to talk about because that's usually Absolutely. where, where it gets I think uh, Rhea's actually pretty good at getting people to do shit for her, like when she needs it. Um, I got better. I did, a couple so, yeah. of years ago, I wasn't. Even asking someone to read an essay for me felt like a huge ask. But then... At um, least with a few people, you've yes, developed that. I, I've learned how to just, but, just but do it. But certainly that second category that Anita's referring yeah, it's to a bit is harder. still a completely like, difficult territory for you. Yeah. What is it that blocks you? I think the, the crux of it all is that I don't want to be a burden onto anyone. I don't want to waste their time. I don't want to sound naggy or sound dramatic or sound all these different things. Or I'll just talk about it once it's over in my mind, once I've processed it. Or I just will tend to deal Isolate. with it on my own. I think that's a very personal decision for everyone. I, for example, don't ask for advice. So I ask my husband and, of course, the big life decisions we make for ourselves. I ask my support network for specific like insights or if I, you know, when it's about a new job and when I'm in the phase where it's about 
you know, negotiating the salary or stuff like that. I ask about these specifics. In the beginning, I think of my career, I put a heavy weight on some of my friends' and family's shoulders by tasking them with kind of big life decisions. And one thing that I realized, but I'm not saying that's true for everyone, I realized for myself, my decision actually doesn't get better, easier, or more correct if I have seven people in my environment saying, yes, that's a good decision, um, and two people saying, no, that's a bad decision. Actually, that's funny. When it comes to like the life decisions, I've never had a problem. I've always just made the decision. I've never... Yeah, I actually I think- was, was wanting to also ask you about, let's call it a third category, which is just when you need emotional support. Yeah. You don't that's actually need problem. someone to yeah. tell you what to do, but you need someone to s- listen with intent, yes. so to speak. And I think that's really the third category that I, that I meant with kind of listening and you just need someone to, to talk to. I think that might be the, 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 the thing that's hardest to kind of ask for because it feels emotional. It feels kind of close to your heart. It's not something, it's not transactional. Usually you don't, you know, write an email and say, you know, I'm struggling with this one thing. Can Why we don't we do that? Minutes? Well, it's sometimes because it's hard to identify that one thing in the, on the first hand, right? Sometimes you don't really know what your emotional struggle is about. I mean, frankly, I have a big, 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 big network of people, but I just have very few people that I tap into for emotional support. That's the thing. I don't think Look I... Look at you. I, you're so closed, guys. For those who can't see Rhea, she's sitting with her arms crossed, which, by the way, she never does. You never Could you stop observing way. me when I'm, I'm I living my life? I stop observing you. You're in my space <laughs> all the time. You look really uncomfortable having this conversation. Now, are you thinking of the people that Anita just described? Do you have a list of five people that do that for you? I do. My problem is that I don't tap into it. Like, I don't know how to be like, hey, I'm having a hard time or hey, can we talk about me first? I just don't do All that. Right. I don't feel Here's, like I should do that. I'll share something that I did a while ago mm. that I found funny but useful, which is there are two things. If I'm eating one of those two things spontaneously, get in the fucking car and show up at my door. And those two things are if I open a Nutella jar and I eat that spoon. And the second is if I eat spaghetti with just butter and salt and nothing else. And what I did is I taught my friends that if I send you a picture on of either of those two things, fucking like red alert. So I wouldn't actually have to call and say, hey, I'm not feeling really well. Do you have like 10 minutes to talk? I would send a picture of spaghetti with butter and salt in the pot. <laughs> And then people would just know. And it takes away some of that burden to have to kind of explain and write emails and so forth. Right. And so when the person is able to find time for you, they will call you or they will show up, but they will know what state of mind you're in. Mm -hmm. They will know like Rhea's losing it. But also I'm someone who tends to be positive and in a good mood and will uplift the setting. That's just my innate personality. I've had those experiences whenever I've been in a bad mood and been silent in a room. Everyone freaking panics and it's like, why are you like this? Why? What's wrong? And maybe it's accusatory even. It's as if I didn't have the right to be in a bad mood so that whenever I am in that mood, I just don't expose myself because I don't feel like hearing the like, but why? Everything is fine, but this is not you, but no, shit the halik. How do you say shit the halik in, uh, in English? Get it together. Put it together. Put it, get it together. Yeah. Like you're being too dramatic or you're being too this or you're being too that. Anita, now that you've heard Rhea's um, 
predicament. Predicament when it comes to her support networks. Yeah. What would you challenge her to do in order to push her interactions with her support network a little bit further? So I feel that the easy way would be to just, you know, tell her, contact three people and, and you know, tell them that you're not doing well when you're not doing well and talk to them about it. But I think that would be a little bit too easy because I kind of feel that, the, that one of the underlying topics that we touched upon now is that you yourself need to figure out what would really be helpful to you because I feel like your relations with your network have not been reciprocal to a certain extent. I think that, that the first step might be to really just egoistically try to understand what would really help you. Because I feel there is, that is such a personal thing. You might not even want to you know, have 10, 12, 15 conversations with your support network about your general well-being, you might end up having these conversations and feeling worse afterwards. Maybe you're a person that needs to, you know, identify people in your network for very specific parts of your well-being. But I think that's really something that you probably should uh, identify. So my challenge would be till the next episode, try to sit down with pen and paper or computer or whatever and try to, I don't know, say, what are the three situations or emotional states where I'd really want the support from my support network and who are the people who I most like it from. Anita's challenge is for you to figure out your emotional moments where you do need support and then identify the people who would support you in those different do moments. Do I need to contact them? My challenge on top of I that, knew it. should you experience one of these situations in the next week, which undoubtedly you would, will because we're, we're living in a complex time, I want you to do one thing is write down the people you would talk to and then report back on whether you really do need to talk to people or whether Anita's you know, theory about, well, sometimes actually it's just like it, humans are not the answer something else is the answer will make you feel better or not and then we have to compare which is going to be brutal for the person because they're going to know who they are yeah maybe don't use their real names in the next we will use oh, their real, real names. names if there oh. are real friends they will understand yeah. and it's you know it's weird now because i feel like i need to justify and be like no my support system is great i don't want anyone to get offended or anything Oh, because you think your friends are going to listen to this and get upset? Well, I hope they listen to this and then call you every week and be like, Rhea, do you need me this week? No? Okay, bye. <laughs> because I love them. It doesn't mean that I don't love them. Oh, no, that has nothing to do. One has no, but nothing some to people do with can, the other. can misunderstand. Anyway, Yes, well, they have to get on. over themselves. It's funny. Like, I tend to agree with some things that Anita said in the sense that I don't really ask people what I'm supposed to do next. I tend to announce it to them rather than ask them. So I agree on that. I don't think I don't want other people's advice, which I think might be part of one of your issues. I ain't got no issues. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, but the one thing that I've learned can be so beautifully rewarding is finding one or two friends who know that you need this without you having to say it. And once you do, whether it's your spouse, your parent, one of your best friends, doesn't matter. When you have that friend who like from just how you sound on the phone can be like, uh, what up? Then you don't actually ever need to ask for help because they provide it regardless. That's when you get to like the best version of your support network is when you have and just two people like that are enough so that if one of them is sleeping, yeah. you can call the other. I think it's <laughs> weird when it comes to support system, people always 
focus on the quantity rather than the quality so they will say oh i have so 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 and they would like list off saying i have 50 best friends or whatever like But you you have 50 best friends i don't have 50 best friends it's a figure of speech Nadia, also are you with me on this <laughs> anyway what i meant to say is that they think about the quantity but they don't focus on the quality and i think once you have that quality yeah. friend who can just figure that out from the get-go yeah from sending them a picture of nutella but i actually think the last thing that anita said is a good pivot or a good yeah. segue to your current um challenge or situation whereas you want advice on how to choose the right person for the right thing yes correct so As you know, Anita, and, and most of our listeners do also, I just started a company. And in the first few weeks, because it's only been three weeks, so many things happened. I got like people to sign up for webinars that I, you know, I didn't expect to happen for the next three weeks or a month. Um, I had people call up and offer to help with things that I hadn't asked for, which was beautiful. Because as you say, when you put it out to the network, what you're doing, the network will magically just like give you generosity back that was a really beautiful moment but i found that a lot of amazing things had happened and then because it was the beginning of the lockdown you have a lot of these zooms with a lot of different groups of people they're your friends from different contexts and so on and so you're updating everyone on where you are and i often found i would stop mid-sentence there was no point telling them every detail of what I, of what was happening i didn't know what their reactions would be as you say i was sometimes afraid that i would overburden them with this like oh my god look at everything that's happening and who knows what's happening in their world and how silent it is or not and so i just felt like i was creating dissonance with some of my peers where i was in a different plane Uh, than they were and so we couldn't understand each other and still I need not so much for myself not so much emotionally but for the company and for what I'm doing and what makes sense and so on I need call it a virtual board of directors uh, but I need people that I can go to and be like okay so I have these different paths and I'm trying to weigh them and understand and my question is how do you choose these people do you tell them hello you're on my board of directors first of all I think the good thing is the danger of kind of over loading people who are not able or willing to give that much the danger and the risk is much lower when it's not emotional because again it's transactional and people are somehow used to dealing with transactional requests. I think people have way more experience uh, and are way more comfortable saying yes, no, or maybe to these kinds of things. I assume many of, your, many of the people in your uh, support group are people who have experience with stressful jobs, managing different responsibilities with hopefully successes, but also failures. Do you tell them? I would tell them I wouldn't. So I think there is a stage for the company once it is, you know, more than just you experimenting where it should, there should be kind of a formal, and I'm not even saying formal board of directors, that might be a very late stage, but I'm saying something like a board of advisors. I think for this group, I try to come up with a combination of people that you know have some experience in the industries that you're working on have some experience with some of the services you're going to offer have experience with the different markets you're going to cover 
um, maybe someone from the professional consulting world that understands the frameworks um, of consultancies and helps with pricing and strategy. Ideally, obviously, because they are going to work closely with you, they should also be people that you feel you can trust. But I think they should also bring skills and knowledge and experience and insights that you yourself uh, might have, but not to that extent. And ideally, I'd start identifying them now, just getting into these first conversations so that at a later point, when you solidify the relationship. Actually, the one thing that this adds to the way I've been thinking about it is it gives me a framework of matching people with certain cards, right? Like the country card, the industry card, the specific services card, which I wasn't doing very formally in my head. I was just reaching out to the people I'm comfortable talking to and being challenged by. Okay, so is the challenge that you want to reach out maybe to people who you don't necessarily know or people who you would not necessarily reach out to? Yeah, maybe people I wouldn't reach out to because normally I would be not aligned with the way they think. Maybe okay. actually they add more value than just someone who agrees with me. And I think it's a balance because you don't want people in that kind of close advisory committee or whatever it is that you absolutely don't agree with. I do see, I've been on, on management boards where there were kind of artificial pockets of dissonance and that never, I'm not a fan of that. Um, and I think to a certain extent, you do need a diversity of opinions and approaches, yes. But one thing that it is true that we all usually have the tendency to surround ourselves by people who are like us. In looking at, uh, at me personally, I know that I would have a natural tendency to surround myself by people who are creative, who appreciate innovation, who are outgoing. But I know now that I you know, built this program here or started new initiatives, I make a very conscious effort to bring in people that are very much focused on operations, very much focused on process, that are more skeptical of you know, the moving fast uh, and creation side of things that kind of balance uh, out what I bring. In your case, it would mean there are certain industries that you are already connected to or that you already know well and, and where you have a certain credibility. There are certain countries and regions of the world where that happens. There are certain tasks um, and skills, both from your CV, but also from your personality, where you have kind of a natural credibility. But then there are a lot of blind spots out there. And not all of them you need to tackle right now, but there might be people in your network you, that might help you. When you're saying that you messaged a friend who you said, I want someone who can help think with me, who can provide advice and who also will be happy for me. I want to talk about that last thing. The happy for me? Yeah, it's a strange thing to say. But I think that because of what I've chosen to lead as a life, and as Anita was saying earlier about when you burden people with a situation that is unfamiliar to them, there's the reaction of others, and myself included, I'm not saying no, that I'm immune to this, is they measure the distance between you and them, where you are and where they are. You're in a multidimensional plane, so it's not like someone is ahead of the other. But depending on how they were brought up, their current situation, whatever, like whatever their current circumstance, are they happy at work? They will deal with where you are very, very differently this week versus next week. Right. And so there's always that personal bias coming back into it. One thing might be that they that you have something that they wish they had. But on the other hand, it might also just be that they think it's terrible. Also, I've had that because too. I think a lot of people 
um, will think that. That brings us back to that point, that differentiation between kind of asking for transactional advice and emotional support. And I think the one thing that I throw in here, there is no book, uh, no rule book where it's written that your friends also have to understand your professional passion. Completely agree. There is no, no law for that. I literally, you and I think one other person are the only friends that I have that um, I also talk about, you know, job things with. The people that understand the job side of things very frequently are, you know, nice acquaintances and people that I enjoy spending time with, but I wouldn't call them friends. So it's just that sometimes you want someone who is in that three-dimensional plane close enough to you that what you're saying makes sense to them and that they can process it and move on without that distance and without your distance towards them. I don't always want to talk to people who I feel are in my, where I stand ahead of me in being happier, healthier, prettier, whatever, you know, more successful because I'm just, I can't compare myself to them right now. I just want someone who's like, in this sphere that can actually understand what I'm dealing with now. We all get that period in our lives where we have our closest friends and then when they don't satisfy that need or that support, it kind of shatters because you're like, no, you're supposed to be the everything. everything in my life where I think you said it best in one of our dinners is that you need multiple people in your lives to kind of fill your tank. I was talking about the concept of love and marriage and saying that prior to Victorian love, there was no rule book to say that your spouse had to be able to accommodate for all of your emotional needs. Your spouse, uh, yeah, maybe they're your best friend and you love them, but they don't have to be everything else. Uh, and it, it's okay to go and tap into different people for different things. And people will be helpful for you for different reasons. And I think I completely agree. And I think the concept, um, the concept very much relates to your, your challenge and quest right now, because ultimately you kind of have a, you need a somehow holistic network around you that fulfills all the needs you have. But no one says that these have to be the same people that are your friends. No one says that one person has to kind of check all the boxes. There might be different persons who are excellent in one thing, but really bad in another thing. And I think your challenge is to really try to not, because I think there is a tendency that we let our judgment about who can be helpful for what transaction be clouded by, you know, friendship. And, but I really, this person would be disappointed if he or she is not uh, on the board. I, I think your, your challenge is to, kind of de-emotionalize that and try to really understand from the tasks you see ahead for you for um, building that company and making it successful, what skills and mindsets and connections and perspectives and experiences do you not bring or at least not to the extent and what do you need to balance yourself out and then start to go through your network and really identify who could be people to help with that. And then some of them might up ending being people that, are, that you also feel very emotionally close to, and some might not. You hit the nail on its head because a lot of people know that both Marilyn and I used to work at a company called Keyword, where 
a lot of our colleagues became our best friends. That's how we met. And so the memory of keyword is huge in your head. So I think it's my very, biggest ghost. It's your biggest ghost. And you say it yourself, I want to recreate keyword. And yeah. I'm sure in your mind, you go to XYZ, all the same people, and you want to contact them because you love them and you've worked with them. But that might not be the answer. And I think that's scary. That's a fair point. I will take that. I think for you, honestly, identifying to make this company successful, what support do you need? Is it the networks? Is it the introductions? Is it the markets? Is it the consulting experience? And then really, really sit down, look at your you know, LinkedIn and at your network profiles and really say, well, these are the people just from their experience they bring, from the way they approach business. These are the people that I need to talk to and then focus on kind of identifying the topics, then identifying this group of people and then starting to talk to them. You need to focus your energy on building that company and that it might just distract you if, if you focus too much on the people you would like to do something together with. Marilyn is super shy to network and to send someone a message. So this is going to force her to do that. So that's amazing. Yes. She loves writing a status and people coming. I radiate my yes. love and then they flock to me. She's like, I wrote a status <laughs> and all these people came. Yes, but that takes away your agency as well. So you should go all and right, reach fine. Out. It's not a religious movement, right? You're not, you don't want kind of a, you know, group of people saying Marilyn is amazing uh you want yes, to I do what are you talking I was gonna about? say yes she does but that's <laughs> not healthy <laughs> that's not healthy okay fine so my challenge will be and what I'll come back with can next I add a layer a list of my shortcomings yeah no one can be from keyword no one can be from keyword? no one can be from keyword Jesus Christ no not a single person because you've already talked to all those people fine. you don't need to talk to them again see now she's uncomfortable <laughs> She was like super fine this whole time. And now she's like, Ugh. so wait, let's recap the challenges. All right. So Rhea, what's your challenge? So I have to write down the different areas that I feel like I need to receive help, receive help and then <laughs> write down the names of, let's say three, right? Yeah. Three, three, things. three, three moments yes. and then three people. And then write three people who I would like to go to talk, discuss those three moments about. Marilyn, what's your challenge? My challenge is to make a list of the things that I'm not good enough that I'm going to need not so much people to do tasks because those are that's what employees are for but people to reframe my thinking in and then we can talk about them next week and then after that I will make a list of people who match those things and reach out. I want I want to see both your successes uh, next week to just you know keep us accountable here. Either way, it helps the accountability that you two are stuck together. <laughs> exactly. Um, that will make it much more impactful. They're like equally hard in different ways, these challenges. I'm glad I could help and keep you busy for the next seven days. All right. Any, any last famous words, Anita? It was fantastic to be part of this. Thank Thanks you. Thanks so much for... Thank you having me and inviting me thank you for doing this this was episode two of season three where Rhea and i take you on our personal journeys and invite coaches and mentors and friends to come onto the shows and kick our ass about a challenge that we're thinking about this week this week's episode was about support networks We'll be back next week and follow us on Who Run the World Pod on Instagram. If you have any of your stories you'd like to share with us, please email us. Or at, advice. Or advice. Or if you want to be on my list, email us at say hi at who run the world pod. 
podcast.com. Uh, also, give us a rating. Give us those five stars. It will boost our ranking. Love us a little. More people will love us a little. And more people will discover us. And you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Anagami, and wherever you listen to your podcast. So we'll see you on the next episode.